There were two goals that we wanted when we made the film. One, we wanted it to be a conversation starter, something yep. that would get people talking about it after after the film was finished. And two, we wanted it to be full of surprises. Go where the audience, no, not yep. go where you never thought it would go, but just not be predictable. You just wouldn't yeah, yeah. be able to really tell how this was all going to work out. This podcast is brought to you by Rebecca Castles of the Rising Dawn series. Do you like violence? Do you like smut? Are you tired of the stereotypical novels of werewolf romance out there and want something a little bit different? Then pick up Sparked Revolution, book one in the Rising Dawn series by Rebecca Castles. Available on Amazon, in Kindle and paperback. You too can become a sponsor of Stories to True and the Fictional by heading on over to buymeacoffee.com slash sttatf or follow the link in the show notes. Hello and welcome to Story Chat. We have a great interview coming up with Matthew Holmes, director of The Legend of Ben Hall and his new smash hit, The Cost. Can't wait to dive into that. Before we do, please remember to like, subscribe, share, you know, all the podcast stuff. And check out our other episodes, The Middle Ages Comic Hour and Stories, The True and The Fictional, all on the same feed. If you want to reach out for any reason, thetrueandthefictional at gmail.com and check us out on Instagram at stories underscore podcast. But now, without further ado, here's Matthew Holmes. Matthew Holmes, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me again. It's great to be back. And 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 as always, uh, we always have wonderful questions for, for our guests, but... When you're a returning guest, mm-hmm. uh, you get more questions. All right, um, hit me. We don't. We know... actually have to do more work and create new <laughs> questions. Um, so I think that you've you've joined the elite club. I think there's been four guests now we've had on for a second time. Okay. Um, so it is a very very elite club. So nice. I'm, I'm feeling special. You should feel very special. So awesome. Good. <laughs> uh, but I'll start the questions this time if you don't oh, mind, Jamie. Okay. Go for it. Um, so the first question we have for you for round two of the icebreakers, uh, Matthew, is when you were a kid, mm. and I think I probably know the answer to this question, but when you were uh-huh. a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, look, and before I wanted to become a filmmaker, the biggest job that I really thought I wanted to be was uh, I wanted to be a professional diver. Oh, I okay. wanted to be a scuba diver, a mm-hmm. uh, a commercial diver, someone who, okay. you know, got into wetsuits and diving gear and, you know, I wanted to explore for sunken ships. I wanted to work uh, underwater on machinery. You know, just being underwater was the thing that I loved mm. the most. So I remember wanting, wow. I carried that for very many, many, many years until then I discovered movies and quickly diverted my career into that. Mm. So... Mm. Now, now you can just pretend to be going underwater. And... That's right. I just pretend. <laughs> I keep it safe. I, I don't know how I really would have gone with that career. I'm, I still love the water and I'm still very much a water baby, but I'm, um, I don't think I, I've got the physical prowess and stamina to really become a pro- full professional diver. But, it, it, you know, as a 10-year-old, that certainly did take my fancy. <laughs> awesome. Well then, you you can always, um, you know, once you once once you're ready for it, the you know, in the latest, um, I don't know if you're a fan of the Uncharted games, but um, Nathan Drake, the main character, oh, did yeah, have yeah. a bit of experience in commercial diving, so you can maybe, <laughs> you know, I don't know, talk mm-hmm. to Sony Pictures, 
So okay. if you can work out and do a sequel to Uncharted, you're probably nice, nice. still better than the first one. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, certainly and wasn't much commercial job. diving. Yeah, yeah. Why not? I mean, it's yeah. I, I I still would love to work, make a movie set, you know, with divers and diving. And um, where I did was working on a script with my co-writer Greg Moss. We were working on a screenplay about some people trying to recover something from a um, from a sunken World War Two ship that's oh, wow. standing upright because you know you can get some yeah. some shipwrecks that stand upright we thought that would make a really cool movie so um oh yeah who knows maybe one day we might get to it oh there you go mm. awesome that'd be very interesting yeah so uh yeah so there you go what what did you think i was wanted to be as a child <laughs> i was going to say a, a filmmaker like a, a filmmaker yeah. i thought because you know i i just kind of the way that you know, I've I've seen all of your <clears throat> all three films that you know Jamie has introduced me to, and obviously I was watching the costs the other day, and um, it just seems to come so natural to you. I thought that it was probably something that you always wanted to do. You know, being one of those kids who, you know, I want to make movies. I want to I want to do this kind of thing, and carried it over into adulthood. So yeah, well, um, that probably came about thirteen when I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker. No, okay. Well, there you go. So Still, it's, it was one of the ones. So you were actually right. It was, but I did have a <laughs> an occupation I wanted to do earlier than that. So okay, there you go. There you go. It's it's a common Excellent. thread. I I remember having like three or four things I wanted to do as a kid. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. Yeah. The world's so exciting, <laughs> and the possibilities are endless when you're a child. So yeah. <laughs> that's it. Oh, nice. All right. So, moving on. Moving on to number two. If you could yeah. have. And I'm, I'm assuming that this would be the kind of thing that would be on set. Uh, if you could have a talking animal sidekick, uh, what would you pick? A talking animal sidekick? Uh, probably a raccoon. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I would love a talking raccoon. I think they're awesome. I think if I could have, yeah. I know they've done Rocket in the, in the, in the yeah, but um, I just love raccoons um, or a hedgehog. Uh, or you know, one of, the, or one of those groundhogs, you know, yeah, uh, oh, mammoths. Yep, yep. You know, I just, I think if I had one of those talking, I think that would be my little sidekick. Would it be voiced by Adam Wilson? <laughs> Why not? I think that'd be entirely appropriate. And and uh, Adam makes me laugh, so I'm sure my little talking groundhog would make me laugh. So yeah, I'd be very happy with an Adam Wilson voiced <laughs> groundhog. I was waiting for it. I was. I said to counter, <laughs> counter how long until Adam Wilson would be referenced in this in this podcast interview, and we're we're sitting at I think about eight hey. minutes. So well done, yeah. Jamie. <laughs> hey, I, I like Adam Wilson, but we'll, we'll touch on that. we'll touch on that later. Uh, no, question three, uh, Ryan, take yeah. it away. <laughs> so question three, um, your king, queen, or supreme leader or president for a day? Mm. What do you do? Oh man, lots to do in a day, but I'd probably just I'd probably want to just eliminate all debt. That's yeah, it. Good. Just all debt back to zero. Everyone goes back yeah. to zero. That's what I would do. Um eliminate all debt and if I still had some time left in the afternoon, I would get rid of the housing market. Um and I would make it illegal to make housing something that you can make money on. Like houses should not be things that you make profit that like houses are a necessity of life. They shouldn't be yeah. something that we're, because this is what makes housing prices go up. So I would just, yeah. I'd simply go, you know what? Houses aren't that anymore. Go do something else. Um, yeah. And that way houses remain affordable. And of course, with all of that debt that I've eliminated, um, <laughs> I think I'd be pretty popular. Yeah. 
I reckon I definitely think so. I mean, that's a the landlord, and I don't think they listen to this podcast. And if they are, I do apologize. You're lovely people, and please don't kick me out of my home. Um, they they own like seven or eight houses, and you know what I mean. That's how I get that. Like they're, yeah. they're a retired couple, lovely people, but yeah, it does make it. You know what I mean? It makes it harder yeah. for like I, I've resigned myself, unfortunately, being 41 to probably not being able to ever own my own house unless yeah. I make a massive windfall or win lotto or something like that. That's and right. that's kind of sad, but it is um, considering it I've really been working is. since I was 15. So I, I would definitely support that eliminating all the debt yep. and then making sure, Hey, you guys can only have one house. You have a house yep. for yourself. <laughs> you can't have seven or eight or nine no. or hundred properties. No. And, and also if, if houses aren't there to make money out of anymore, they literally just cost what they cost to build and the land that's exactly. on them. And that exactly. you know, people aren't living in million dollar houses in the suburbs anymore. They're living in two hundred fifty thousand dollar houses, and that's yeah. it. And then mm. everyone can afford one. Everyone can buy it. Yeah. Um, but when you're trying to pay off loans of these ridiculous houses, yeah. it's just ah. So yeah, that's what I'd do. I'd that'd be my busy day in office. And you know what? I think that would be a great re-election campaign too. I would definitely be up for that, 100%. Yeah. I'm sure I could think I of like some that. other really cool ideas. Sure. <laughs> I'd probably be assassinated by lunchtime, but <laughs> <laughs> but I've got that. good intentions. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Great answer. All right. Now, now a question right up your alley. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> what book story would you like to see adapted to film? Okay. Um, I'd like to see Jason and the Argonauts done. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. You know the old movie, uh, the yep. old mm-hmm. the old Greek tale? I'm a big fan of the old film, massive fan of the old film. So I would like to see that done really well. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's a really, a really good answer. Like I've always been a fan of that kind of, you know, the, that style of history. I can remember, and it's not exactly the same, but I can remember as a kid, being introduced by my parents to the original Clash of the Titans yep. uh, movie with the stop motion and the clay. And, oh, yep. God, that was so good. Yeah. Um, That's what got I me. Oh, really got me into oh, filmmaking. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was oh, Jay- really? Oh. Jason, it was more Jason and the Argonauts than Clash of the Titans, but the same yeah. thing, really. That, yeah. it, it was, it, that was a big influence on me wanting to get into animation and, and stuff as oh, a teenager. Wow. Yeah. Oh well, well, there you go. It's, it's it's. I just I just have such fond memories of that film, and and when you when you're you know you're young and you're watching, you're seeing all these you know all the mythology brought to life, you know as bad as it was, stop motion, stop motion, and everything back then. Um, it, it just it was just fascinating. So I yeah, hundred percent. I think that's a great a great story to see adapted into. And and would you if you were to do if you were to do it yourself? Um, you know, obviously, would you still? I know there are still places out there that do do stop motion, or would you try and go for a big budget, or would you try and go for, you know, just trying to tell a good story rather than spending billions on CGI? Well, I've actually written a screenplay for okay. a remake of Jason and the Argonauts that oh. I really hope one day I can direct. Um, I sat down and punched that script out a few years ago. Um, it okay. got optioned twice. Oh, by wow. another filmmaker to direct. The option lapsed though, and the rights are back yeah. to me. Um, but I would I would want to employ stop motion for some because my background is in stop motion. So yeah. um I would employ stop motion for some things, but not everything. 
So okay. I would make it a bit of a mix of old meets new. Um, mm. But yeah, um, it would probably be very big budget though. I probably you wouldn't be able to pull off the script that I wrote without without yeah. a big budget. <laughs> so uh, very, kind, very of, kind of like Jurassic Park in the sense that they had you know animatronics and CGI. Yeah, I would mix. I would have I would have a mix of animatronics CGI, but I would be very I would very much push to do Talos the big cr- mm-hmm. creature. Mm-hmm. I would very much push for him to be done. Uh, as 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 a stop motion creature because okay. you can do a lot of amazing stuff with stop motion now you can make it a lot smoother and I think there was something about him being a stop motion character that made him so appealing so I would probably want to make him stop yeah. motion still rather than a great big CGI thing so. yeah awesome Step oh well up. there we go look we'll keep an eye out for that because uh, I definitely yeah. I would love to see with your your you know creativeness and imagination what that would look like and and as I said being a fan of that kind of mythos and mythology I think it, I think it'd be great so mm. never say never and hopefully yeah, well, that will maybe one day maybe yeah. one day I'll be lucky enough I'll travel to Italy and shoot it there and um yeah make make you know do the remake of Jason the Argonauts which really is still hasn't happened they made a tv movie of it in the early 2000s which nobody saw (laughs) um but um it still feels like one of those classics that it's revered but it's not so revered that I think it's not right for a remake so and it still hasn't been done and I'm just hoping that that's because it's waiting for me to get there yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. No, I definitely. I. I cannot wait to see that if it does happen. Well, the script's uh, there, so we're part way there already. So, if any 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 of you rich investors, <laughs> studios are listening, please reach yep. out to us. It's reach story out. True of the fictional. <laughs> that's it. It's ready to go. Just sign a check, and I'll let's get started. Exactly. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's knock off this last question, so we can start talking about the 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 cost and and the amazing movie it is. Um. So okay. So it's another Elon Musk one. Elon Musk has perfected his electric time machine yeah. and has put you in charge for organizing a dinner party of historical figures. Mm. Um. We don't really have a limit on it. I'm going to say maybe eight at the max. Okay. But who would you put on your guest list for your dead or alive? Doesn't matter who it is. Well, look, I'm going to be a little bit. I'm, there's probably so many amazing historical figures you could reach for. But right now, all I really want to do is have a dinner party with Ben Hall, Frank Gardner, Johnny Gilbert, Ned Kelly, John Vane, Captain Moonlight, Dan Morgan, <laughs> uh, and maybe the Clark brothers. I just want to have them all there and I want to listen yeah. to the, all of their stories. I want to look at their mannerisms. I want to hear what the I want to figure them all out, and that way I can go away and make my yeah. Bush Rangers TV series based yep. on all of these lives of these characters, and I can dramatize them to perfection. So I, that's who I would want at my dinner party. So it's just more film research, really. Yeah, yeah that, well, and look, that's a smart answer to that. Why not? If Elon yeah. Musk is offering to do it, you know, you can. You, would, my question is, would you have them check firearms at the door just in case it gets a little bit rowdy with those Maybe, kind of characters? I, I probably would be a very good idea, or at least take away their, <laughs> at least take away their ammunition because you know, yes. it, it could change the course of history if they start shooting at each other. So. I mean, there's there's two things that could happen: they could start shooting at each other, or they could start a new gang and. Yeah. Well, well that yeah. yeah. Crikey, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be a, one hell of a gang. So, um yeah. but probably uh, probably one that wouldn't last very long. I don't think I think they would end up shooting each other. <laughs> yeah. Oh so. wow. Uh, 
So yeah, that's who I'd have at my party. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be a very awesome. interesting party. I think, you know, I'd love to be a fly on the wall or and I'm sure being being the filmmaker you are, you'd have a couple of cameras positioned around hidden <laughs> so that you can obviously, you know. Oh yeah. You could imagine the behind the scenes documentary on um on that <laughs> TV show. You could actually have the <laughs> official historic dinner party as that's a spe- bonus feature or something. Oh, that would be that's I'd be doing that for sure. Absolutely. It's uh absolutely it's, it sounds like Bill and Ted's four, you know? Yes, yes. Yeah. Bush yep. Ranger edition. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know it's probably not the best use of a time machine, but hey, it's my it's my it's my answer. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. No, it's your it. exactly. It's your and I say to people all the time, I say, especially with the first group of questions, don't give us your political answers. Like don't say, <laughs> you know, you've got one wish, oh, I just want to get rid of all war and everything, which is noble and that's amazing. But these are your questions. We want to know what this is about getting to know you. And and, and that's why I try and say to people, just yeah. we rather than give us the answer that you think everyone wants to hear, yes. we want to learn about you. So I think that's a perfect yeah. answer. Awesome. Good. I passed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now the we second can move round on to- passed. Move to phase two. In 1932, the Australian Army declared war on 20,000 emus and lost. It's a part of Australian history that not many know about. Maybe that's because history is written by those who win. So if you want to hear the full story of the Great Emu War of 1932, then check out my book, Letters from the Emu War. Read letters, newspaper articles, and journal entries. With every turn of the page, you will gain a deeper understanding of the life and times of emus at war. So head on over to jabryden.com and grab a signed copy today. Last time we had you on, we talked about everything Legend of Ben Hall. And then, yep. of course, the one question that Ryan wrote down, we're going to ask yep. him about this. He didn't ask you. Oh, um, yeah. So uh, Ryan wants to know about the uh, the facial hair budget of The Legend of Ben Hall. Yeah, uh, because what, that was my first time watching that movie was at Jamie's house before yeah. we, we did our first interview with you. Yeah. Um, and and before that, Jamie, had, well, I think it was very early in starting these interview podcasts and Jamie had been raving about this movie and and um, how he went to the premiere and all this. So we, I, I'm... Personally, I'm not a massive, don't hate me, not a massive fan of Bush Ranger movie. Yeah. But I, I sat down and I watched Ben Hall from start to finish. I don't think I looked at my phone once. It was it was amazing. Um, and there have been a few since that I really enjoy. But what I thought is, wow, I, I actually thought logically, shooting a film set back then, now, with the, all the different variations of facial hair you would see, some of it had to be not real and some of it had to be, you know, I don't know if they call it prosthetics or whatever they call it for facial prosthesis or whatever that may be. I'd want, I was legitimately concerned at what the fa- if you actually had a, sh- a facial hair budget in that movie. We did. We did have a facial hair budget. Um, and it probably would have been about $3,500, oh, I wow. think. So because they're expensive to make. Ben Hall had to have a prosthetic beard mm-hmm. um, and Jamie needed a wig. And um, and Ben Hall needed sideburns. Yeah, there was a few things like that. But what we did do is, um, oh, and one of our one of our policemen needed a big bar handle moustache. Yeah. So yeah. we got these things all all professionally made. They're very expensive. Um, but 
they weren't very successful. Some of them were made very badly and we had to supplement them with other bits of prosthetics to try to hide them. But there was a particular set of sideburns that Ben Hall had that when we filmed with him with these sideburns that he wore in the first part of the movie, which came right down the side of his face, looked absolutely awful. Oh, really? They they looked like two pieces of carpet pasted on his face. Man, we didn't know, and like we had to just film with them, and they looked terrible, and all the footage just looked garbage. It was, and we were so worried about how, because we we couldn't fix it on set. We didn't have the time. It just looked Mm, terrible. So we actually resorted to digital effects, and pretty much the beginning of the movie, when you see Ben Hall with big sideburns going down his face, we have digitally added beard good-looking beard to the side mm-hmm. of his face digitally for all of the shots of Ben Hall. And people haven't wow. been able to pick it. I haven't. I, I Yeah, I honestly thought I, I couldn't have picked it. It's not like the Henry Cavill in um, Justice League where they no. you could clearly tell. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's, oh, wow. So that was digital. So, we were, the whole, so he, wow. he's got he's got the really bad ones on, but what we yeah. did is we took we took photographs of, of actor Jack Martin. We put fake ones on him but made them look really, really real. And then we took, yeah. like, you know, a photo all around his face, like lots and lots of photos all around. And then we gave those to a special effects dude and he mm-hmm. cut out the really, really good one and then mapped it onto his face and oh, tracked wow. tracked all his motion and his talking oh, wow. and everything. So it looked and, and then and, and made those fake, terrible-looking sideburns look real. And oh, wow. nobody has ever been able to spot it. That's how clever this digital artist was. So, yeah, that was – and so that added a bit more extra money uh, in the digital sideburns department. So, yeah, uh, there was both digital and real um, bids. But as for the rest of the film, I mean, sometimes we – you know, if Ben Hall was on set and he didn't need his beard or he didn't need his moustache or whatever, we would sometimes give that moustache to other people in the crowd. Okay. So we would share – the beards around and um but we also had this thing like in melbourne at the time it was hipsters were a bit of a thing you know and men yeah. walking yeah. around with big beards is very popular mm-hmm. and and so we would just do casting calls for extras and we would just cast people and they'd show us their beards and we'd just say yep you got you got the you got the role come on in so <laughs> we would we were casting beards wow imagine that just a- the, the, I can just imagine that. I've, I've prepared a monologue. No, no, just send me a photo of your face. I want to see it. your beard. <laughs> yeah, but but I've, I've I've worked for like the last three months. On no, just show me the beard. No, nah, you got a beard. You're in. Oh, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. That's it. You, you can't grow a beard, right? You're out. <laughs> uh, well, then look, I'm I'm glad I didn't apply to be an extra on the Legend of Ben Hall because I can't grow <laughs> facial hair. Yeah. To to save my life. So nah, you know, you like that, probably that was a time of probably would have made the cut. <laughs> Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I think Jamie would have, but not you. My mine grew so quick. Like this length, uh, it took me like three months. Like originally. It was just like Wow. Yeah, you would have definitely made the cut. Uh, Yeah. So (laughs) there you go. That's that's the being situation. Well, yeah, I, and awesome. that was, it wasn't even a joke thing when I said it to Jamie, even though he had a bit of a laugh. I thought, mm-hmm. I'm just, I, my head goes there when I, when I watch movies and I watch TV mm-hmm. shows, and I, I legitimately think there would have had to have been some kind of budget for, you know, oh, yeah. prosthetic beards and prosthetic facial hair and stuff yeah, like that. Because people so, just didn't, people just didn't uh, have, didn't, people did not, uh, you know, generally these, you know, guys this age don't wear beards like that. 
The yeah. only thing that Jamie Coffer, who played Gilbert, he did have yeah. real his sideburns are real. Okay. Yeah. He looked like Wolverine. Yeah. Um, but they were always real. But he had short hair, so they had to shave the top of his head to glue his wig on. Um, oh wow! So for for a few months, he walked around with a beanie on because he had like fried, <laughs> like a fried tuck <laughs> head, bold on the top, but oh, the, no. around the sides was real, and he had sideburns. Oh, he looked wow. like Wolverine. So. Oh wow! Well, there we go. I appreciate. We I know we didn't get enough time to ask that question last time, but thank you for clearing that up. I appreciate that. No worries. Glad we sorted it out. And now we get to move on to the current current masterpiece, which, as I was mentioning to you off, where is probably one of my favourite movies of this year. And awesome. I'm not just saying that to add people people who know me know I don't like to blow smoke up people's behinds. But <laughs> thank um, you, appreciate it. Yeah. So we're here today to talk about your new movie, The Cost. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think you briefly, last time we had you on, on, I think you briefly mentioned it. Um, so we, we yeah, did talk, talk about it a little bit. I'm not sure it's been quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so do you, uh, before we get stuck into some of the, you know, some of the, the nitty gritty questions and things that me and Jamie picked up when we watched it. Um, mm. so how did, how did this all come about? Was it like, where did you find the concept for the film where, you know, obviously, you, you have a process that you go about. So how did it all start and roughly how long ago, if you don't mind? Oh, it was about, I think the germ of the idea started in about 2017, just after Ben Hall. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I was reading a newspaper article about a man who who the killer, his daughter's killer was being released early mm-hmm. and they were interviewing him. And I remember thinking, oh, boy, if I was that guy, yeah. what would I want to do to that guy now that he's out? Would I want to mm-hmm. hunt him down? And what would I do to him? If I got him, and then I thought, hang on, that's a that seems like a good that's good movie fodder. So I put that in my, parked that in my little vault in my mind, and yep. then I've been trying to get lots of films off the ground since Ben Hall. Lots mm-hmm. of them got very close, and then they fell over mm-hmm. because of financing. And I was really just looking for something nice and small and contained that I could do on a very low budget to keep to sort of get back in back get back in the director's chair and. You know, so I didn't get too rusty. And, um, yeah, and so I just took that idea and then uh, sort of with, with my co-writer, Greg Moss, we sort of punched out a, a story about revenge but also trying to look at revenge through a different lens um, than we normally see in a revenge movie and do something that was nice and contained, three or four characters in, in one location. Excuse yeah. me. So, yeah, that was – so it really was born out of what can we do for very little money? Okay. And that's how we did it. Um, and then we just we punched out the script. It probably took us like four or five weeks, and we were at, at first draft. Oh, wow. And um, a few more weeks later, we had a draft that we were very happy with, and then we thought we could go ahead and make it. So, yeah. Excellent. So was there much changes from draft? Because you obviously did a few drafts. Did, did much change over time? Or? Uh, there was some the basic story never changed yeah. the beginning, the middle, the end and and the characters within it never changed. It, uh, it really is. If you look at the earliest drafts, you will see it very much as the same film that you see today. Cosmetically, it changed a little bit, um, but it really didn't change all that much. Um, the characters and the actors, when they came on board, they started uh, interpreting dialogue and yeah. adding their own sort of flavor to some of the dialogue. But more or less it was the same movie. It didn't really change that much from draft to draft. It just it just refined. 
So, yeah. Yeah. So that that answers that, that, that question. But yeah. Yeah. That was a sorry. That was an off the cuff question. That's how no, I that's right. normally do most of my questions. I just get yeah, ideas no, that pop right. into my head, where Jamie's more off the off the notes. Yeah, um, that's all right. But, but yeah, yeah, we were we were we were discussing um, cameos in oh, this yeah. one <laughs> in this film. So I spent my first um, my first watch when I watched it. Uh, I think it was the day that it came out, or the uh, the day after. I'm not sure. In the morning when I watched it, um, mm. I was looking through the scenes where there were a lot of people in there to see if I could see. One, I was actually looking for yourself because I know you had a, a small cameo in Ben Hall, and I thought oh, yeah. I'm going to see if I can find Matthew Holmes. And <laughs> I don't know if I I could I watched it twice so far, and I couldn't find you, so I don't know if you're actually in this one. I I am, but you won't be able oh, to spot me. You okay. won't be. Able, I will forgive you for not spotting me. It's a very okay. good reason, but I'll explain that when the time comes. <laughs> okay, excellent. We and um. Uh, I think it was on my Jamie after Jamie watched it and I did my second watch. We we, we saw our good friend Steve Yeager, um, yes. in in the in an early scene uh, at the yeah. warehouse or the the job site. Yeah. Um, and Jamie does insist that he's whispering to the guy next to him that he killed Ben Hall. Yes. Um, yep. <laughs> that's the line of dialogue we've chosen to give him out yeah. of your movie. It seems um, appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and 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 obviously Jamie's favorite. Um, Adam Wilson being, are we correct yeah. in he was the uh, the yeah. store worker at the the liquor shop? Yeah, he's Mick, Mick the bottle Mick the bottle shop Mick, man. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, was there any other any other cameos that we may have missed from people from your your other films? Um, Aside from main characters. Okay, uh, Steve Samet uh, was the man at the petrol station who oh, was. Oh yep, yep. And oh. he was he was also one of the guys who shot Ben Hall. He was oh, one okay. of the, he was one of the troopers. Yeah. Um. And I think no, there would have been another Ben Hawlian, the guy who fights Johnny Gilbert, the fist fight yep. with Johnny yep. Gilbert. Yep. He originally was cast as the role of um, um, Brian, the farmer. Okay. Yep, the oh, farmer. Yeah. Yep. The neighbor. But, <laughs> Yeah, but unfortunately, because of the COVID lockdowns, because he's a South yeah. Australian actor, oh, right, and yeah. the border restrictions, he was not able to come over for filming anymore. Oh, okay. So Clayton, Will, so Clayton Watson was a last-minute replacement for him, very last minute. So, yeah. And he sad. did a very, very good job. I, I don't think I've seen him in anything personally, um, but he was, he was, you know, I, he was. that was another one. I was talking to Jamie. There's a lot of moments in this movie where I was sort of sitting up and I'm just like... <laughs> Holy crap! Mm-hmm. Holy crap! Yeah. Holy crap! You mm-hmm. know, and and he he was he was really good in his role. Um, yeah, he's I good. You, you probably have you seen the Matrix sequels? Yeah, yep, yep. Not yep. for a long time, but I okay. Have. Well, Clayton was in the Matrix sequels. He played okay. he played the kid, the very young sort of shaved head kid in, oh, in Zion. Yeah. Oh, keeps, yeah. Okay. He keeps running around after Neo, and in yeah, the third yeah. film, he's running around like loading up the the machine guns on the robotic. Oh. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Oh, that's him. Oh, wow. Oh, there so, you go. A bit, bit younger and thinner there, but um, that's that's Clay. <laughs> and uh, now, now he's patching roofs for neighbours. Yeah, you know, exactly. Just... Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, he, he's just <laughs> gone downhill. You know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. That's you know, that's a it's a noble profession, patching roofs. That's right. So <laughs> yeah, um, so that 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 was him. Um, and to my cameo, I am in the film. But okay. you'll never spot me because you can you can't recognize me. Um when they load 
uh, Troy into the canvas bag, when they yeah. carry him out the front and dump his body in the back of the car, I'm in the yep. bag. Oh, oh, oh okay. Wow. Well, okay. I don't that's... feel so bad for not noticing yeah. you then. But Go, that's okay. my cameo. Uh, when right. we filmed that scene, um, Kevin was not there that night when we did that, okay. just those shots. And there was really no one else in the crew to go in there. And I thought, well, I said, I don't want to put, and there was a bit of people were a bit worried to go in the bag. And I said, stuff it, I'll do it. So I was the one going in and out, in and out, getting thrown in the boot over and over. So that was me. So oh, I, wow. I, okay, there you go. I'm sort of in the movie, but, just, but I'm a shit. <laughs> I'm a shit bag. Uh, how, how, many take, how many takes was that uh, of, <laughs> of getting thrown in the boot? And how many takes? I think I did about five. <laughs> Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, about five or six takes. So I was in that bag for a while, and I was really worried that the boys were going to drop me, and then I was... Oh. <laughs> and my butt my butt bone would have just landed straight on the concrete, but they didn't They didn't drop me, so... Oh, that was good of them. Very good of them. <laughs> I mean, so. and, and isn't isn't that a little risky as a director? Like, I mean, if, if, if your cast have problems with you, they'll be like, what's that? What? We can't hear you. Uh, That's it. Get, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I was uh, fortunately on good terms with them at that stage. Uh, yeah. There was no bad blood. So if there was, I probably wouldn't have put myself in such a precarious situation. <laughs> so yeah. all good. Look, it, it is a very intense movie, and, and I've got to ask, oh, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about the... Uh, how things were on set with between the actors, like because mm. like you literally have someone whipping and do like you know in that situation, like what's it like on set? Well, the actors were extremely um, dedicated and very very they were very supportive of each other. Um, I know that Damon and and Jordan. They told Kevin this, but they wanted to maintain a distance from Kevin. They didn't know Kevin before yeah. the movie, and they didn't want to get too chummy yeah. with him during the filmmaking process. They just wanted to keep a bit of separation so they didn't have to break through them becoming friends with him. Yeah. yeah. So it, it sort of wore off as the film went on and on and on, and they everyone became very good friends, but mm. they sort of kept a bit of a distance yeah. just to help them feel a coldness towards the character with their performance. Yeah. But having said that, there was still, it was one of the most harmonious uh, film sets I've ever been on okay. where, where cast and crew, everyone just got along. Everyone supported each other. Everyone was respectful. And even though we were doing some very emotionally challenging scenes, um, there was never any, uh, there was no problems People weren't getting upset with each other. Everyone was very, very, you know, very, very kind and, and made it very safe for everybody to, to work in and do those kinds of scenes. So um, it was actually quite positive on set, despite the fact we were making such negative, yeah. doing such <laughs> negative scenes. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, you'd go home feeling a little bit bit icky about the day because some of the scenes got pretty horrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they were the actors were under a lot of emotional and physical stress in some of those scenes. But again, it was just about constantly just looking after pe- looking after yeah. people, checking in on how people are feeling and and um, and and we when we got through it with, you know, relatively unscathed. Excellent. Well, what I, I think I might like to, and I don't, I haven't bought this up with Jamie yet. So ooh, as, it, ooh, as all of our meet, all, all of our <laughs> meetings do happen on air. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if are we allowed to, if we want to say here, 
talk spoilers because there are certain things that happened in the movie that I do want to discuss. Sure. Um, well, just so maybe, maybe we say, yeah, we'll spoilers. say here. From this point if on, you haven't spoilers. seen the movie yet, we're going to be talking spoilers. So go away, do yourself a favor, watch go it. to JB <laughs> Hi-Fi, watch it on Amazon Prime or wherever you can get it, um, and then come back and listen to here. So um, what I wanted to say is my the the most heart stopping moment for me was when they were pulled over by the police. Oh, yeah. Driving, <laughs> driving um, down the and, and Jamie watched it the following day after I did and, and messaged me about it. Um, that moment when I think it was it was so they they're, you know, they're talking about the tail light and um, you've got you've got um, David's out there with the police officer and he's you know he's telling, oh I'm just going, I can well, I'll help you fix it you know let's just <laughs> yeah. trying to be a nice country yeah. copper and then when he says Aaron just pop the boot. I've got what? What the hell? I'm sorry. What? What? What are you doing? And then you know he opens it up and they have a look and it's like there's nothing ever happened. And then I love the moment that they had in the car when they get back in and he's like, "And whose idea was it to buy that bag again?" And yeah. I thought <laughs> that I must I must commend you on that because that was the probably the most. I know there was a lot of moments in there, but that was the moment where I was sitting up and I'm like, don't you, you can't. It, 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 <laughs> I, knowing full well that there was still like an hour and a half of the movie to go, so it wasn't going to end here, but I was just like, you cannot do, what What are you doing? And yeah. so, I, and there's a few moments there, like at the service station with with the, the truck driver. Yeah. You know, you've you've got you've got um you've got Troy banging on the boot and the truck driver's here giving you coffee, he's not hearing the banging. Yeah. Um I mean so was was that more of a like how did you come up with those moments? We just thought thinking, look, there's not gonna be much time for you know, being being that it is all shot mainly in one location in the bush, um, we need to sort of put some tense moments in there or we need to sort of have those near misses. Is that where you what you were sort of thinking of there? Yeah, pretty much. Um I think it comes from, yeah, we did need to, we knew that we had a couple of goal posts in the movie that we knew we had to hit. Yeah. Um, and we knew that, um, so spoilers, uh, we knew yeah. that at the midpoint of the movie, David had to change his mind. Yeah. That's yeah. what sends the story in a completely different direction. Yeah. And then yeah. we also knew what our ending was, which was, yeah. Troy getting away and going to Brian's house. So we already knew yeah. these had to happen, but we knew that that had to that that him changing his mind had to happen on page forty five. Yeah, and we so mm. what do we do for forty five pages, yeah. forty five minutes of the movie? Okay. We knew once he's in the bush and they're beating him up, we couldn't keep that going forever. Yeah. So yeah. it really was how do we create tension and how do we learn about these characters before it's revealed why mm. they got this guy. And so mm -hmm. it just seemed like the natural thing. Like, I think whenever writing scripts like this, you just think, what is the worst that could happen? Yeah. And so yeah. we just thought the worst thing that could happen was for him to wake up at a public place with his people around. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was actually a re, it was actually, we, we, we wrote that script. And then it wasn't until later that we went, you know what? Let's have a cop as well. Let's add another yeah. scene straight yeah. afterwards, a cop. That's so we're sort yeah. of compounding problems and compounding yeah. tension because we thought the way this movie works is like a rubber band, just keep tightening, just keep stretching. Yeah. How long can we keep the tension going? And we thought if yeah. we add a cop on top of <laughs> what just happened at the petrol station, the audience, yeah. before we even get to the bush, the audience is already going to be going, oh. Yeah, oh. and that's what it was, yeah. And that's so, what it was. Even even the fact um, 
Yeah, you just you were like these guys are literally like an hour and a half out of away from home, and the potential of them, their whole mission, going astray, so quickly yeah. after, as you find out, um, how long they've been planning this for? Yeah, three years. Yeah, um, was was oh, just I was just like, you've got to be kidding me! These these guys have got to have the worst possible luck yeah. before they even get started. Yep. And I've been I've been in situations before with I got pulled over by a cop, mm-hmm. and I won't say what was in the back of my car, but I was very very worried <laughs> <laughs> that he that he was going to look in my boot, and um, yeah. you know, and he was just pulling me over because he knew I was speeding, but he didn't get a speed on me, and yeah. the the anxiety that I felt that yeah. night um, was very very tangible. Yeah. Trying to act normal, like everything was okay, yeah. just hoping that he didn't open the back. And then um, I also got pulled over for a taillight in the middle of the night uh, for a broken tail. So I just drew on real life to create that scene. And one of the things that I thought was very important is when when we did this scene, uh, I said to the actor playing the cop, I said, Mm -hmm. don't play him like you're suspicious. Just play him like like a bored cop who's... Out on his own, he's bored. He's looking for someone to to give a ticket to. He's pulled yeah. a thousand people over. This is no different. Don't don't mm-hmm. in any way come across mm-hmm. nefarious. And what I think that did is it it made it feel very real. Yeah. Everyone knows yes. what it's like to be pulled over with a cop yeah. who talks to you like that. Yeah. And so at every point in the movie, we're constantly just trying to find out a way to make it feel um, real, like not overplay it like a movie, but just keep it really relatable. And I think that's maybe where the tension comes from. Um, yeah. At the petrol station, on the night when we were talking to, I was talking to the actor and I was like, how do we, what would Aaron do to cover up the noise of the boot? Yeah. Yeah. And so we were just talking about it with the actors and I was standing there and I was going, what would I do? What would I do? And then I just started hitting the roof of the of the yep. of the car. And I went, "This is what you're going to do. You're going to do this. Yep. Boom, 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 boom. Pretend you're drumming the roof." And that's what. And Aaron, guy Damon who plays Aaron, he was like, "Oh, that's going to look silly. That's dumb, man. That's stupid." And I said, "Well, but mate, that's that's the point. It's it yep. it is ridiculous, but it's all you've got, and it's the best you can <laughs> do in in the spur of the moment. And it always gets a laugh. And whenever I went to the screenings, that moment always got a laugh." <laughs> Yeah, because it's not like you've got a truck driver walk, walk, filling up and watch. It's not like you can just open the boot and punch the guy or, no. you know, give yeah. him another shot, you know, which, which obviously <laughs> no, that's was right. like, well, yeah, no, you know, you have bodies. to do something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, right. He can't even move the car because the keys yeah. have been taken out. So it, it, it really is that, okay, just quickly do something to cover the noise. And, yeah. you know, and I think it was a great lesson for me as a filmmaker to learn that with tension also add humour. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there, definitely. There's something about the the the, the funniness of a situation yeah. um, can also add uh, a lot to tension, um, yeah. which is you know, which is something we've like even like in, later on when when Troy's trying to get away and he finds their vehicle and he's looking for the car keys and he honks the horn. Yeah, you know, it's a very tense scene, but it still gives you a laugh. Yeah. Oh, definitely, and I also like the scene going back when um, when. You know, in in the whole preparation when we're leaving up to it, when when David did Mitre Ten, and he you know picking up all the items, and I was just thinking, 
he's going to have to play this so cool and calm and collected and not show any kind of signs because, you know, the kind of items that he was putting in the trolley and buying, you, we know what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. You can see how they're going to relate to it. But to a store counter person, um, yeah. you know, they're going to, yeah, I know, yes, it's a hardware store. Yes, it's, mm-hmm. you know, they sell these products, but the way that he was calm and you can tell he probably practiced this in his head a million times, yeah. Didn't arouse any kind of suspicion whatsoever with all the items that he was buying. Um, yeah. I think was another sort of element in there that you could see. Okay, this is going to be it's going to be a little bit different to the kind of you know kind of thrillers like this that you see before because normally you've got the guy in the store panicking and like yelling at the clerk saying stop asking all these questions. But he was just cool, yeah. calm, and collected. Yeah, yeah, we've got this project. We're doing renovations. We're do- we're doing this, and and there was no suspicion raised whatsoever. Yeah. And I think that was another really different thing in in because I'm a massive fan of these kind of movies. Like the mm-hmm. the, the I, I thought it was it, that this one's right mm-hmm. up my alley, and that's why I wanted to watch it as soon as it came out. And I just think that's another thing that separates it from other films. How you've got to have that little bit of humor, but then yeah. you've also got to like David is even though he's very emotional because of what's happened to his wife, he's also being very smart about it. Yeah, and and, he, and he's, he's also not... he's also quite smart. Um, like he, you know, in the story when the when Brian turns up, he's the one who does yeah. all the he does all the talking. Yeah. He's quiet yeah. when he gets on the spot. It's like all his planning kicks in, mm-hmm. and he he has the answers ready because he spent so many years yeah. plotting. So he's got yeah. all his answers ready, and that's something that the actor Jordan really really worked on. And you know, we really talked a lot about every scene how. How are they covering their tracks? You know, they've yeah. been playing this a long time. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I'm glad that, you know, audiences and viewers like yourself are picking up on all those details yeah, because definitely. we because we absolutely put them in there. Um, there's no accidents. You know, we, we put everything in there in the hope that all these things are telling you information about these characters. And and that oh hundred percent and and I also love now moving forward in once once the guys have gotten to the to the property, um you know and they they've started their you know the initial plans and you can see in David you can see how hard it is for him, even though it was his wife and it was Aaron's sister you know you can see how hard it is for David this is completely out. where one thing that I found from this movie and I said it to Jamie one of my favorite Australian actors is is Matt Nabel. Um, yeah. I absolutely love him. I think he's he's a brilliant, brilliant actor. I first saw him in a, in a film called The Final Winter a long, long time ago, and that's where I kind of followed his career. And and the gentleman that plays Aaron, not in looks, but he ha- he reminds me a lot of Matt Nabel in his yeah. demeanour. In He's like, this is the plan. This is what we're here to do. Nothing is going to stop me from doing... Yeah. Nothing's going to stop us from doing what we're set out to do. Yes. We're going to, you know, what he put... Uh, the, Stephanie, I think the wife's name was Stephanie. Yeah. Through um, what what we've put her, what he's put her through, we're going to put you through, and then mm. we're going to kill you, you know. Yeah. And he, you know, the whole, you know, we've got the graves dug, we, we've got everything worked out. Um, so I must say that he was a really good, the gentleman that played Aaron. I hadn't seen him in anything before that I can recall, uh, but he was a really good casting. I think he mm. played that role really well. No, he was uh, great. Yeah, uh, Damon's a very good actor and very, um, but played his character very differently. Um, the, 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 I from the very beginning, I said to to David and Aaron, I said the way to play this is 
David, you act and make decisions based on emotion, but yep. Aaron is based his everything on reason. Yep. So whenever they face a problem, they're always coming at it from these two angles and inevitably exactly. they're going to clash. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it was, it was fun playing with all those character dynamics um, within just a very small trio of characters uh, yeah, and definitely. and never really knowing where the loyalties were going to lie, where wh- how it was shifting, how the power struggles were were moving between those three characters all the time. Oh, definitely, and 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 I think what you just said is a perfect example when when um when when they're on the property, as I was saying, and and Brian comes into play. Um, yeah. You know, they they spoke where where the the quick thinking, the emotional, and the reasonable thinking was like, I think it was Aaron that offered, hey, can we give you a hand? And and David, yeah. David, I think he's like, what are you doing? He's like, the sooner we get him finished, the sooner he's going to go, so we can get back to doing what we're here to do. Yeah. And I thought, there you go. That's exactly what you said. That's the reason, the logical mm. thinking. Yeah. Whereas David's emotional, he's like, let's just get rid of him. I want to get back and get this done. This yeah. is what you know what I mean. I think that's where the where a perfect example of what you were describing. And then you know they end up you know, getting Brian out within, you know, I think a span of, he was gone by nightfall. Yes, at nightfall, that's right. You know, and um, I just, I think that was a really, really good, because that's, a, again, something you don't see in these kind of movies. Like, why would the people who are doing this offer to help someone out? Because one, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's what, what you know, what, what Aussie, we do. We, we like to help each other, but it's also the reasoning, let's help him. Because then he can bugger off, and we yeah. can do what we need to yeah. do. Yeah, and we don't look suspicious, you know. Yeah, exactly. So it's always about how do we get, yeah, you know, how we get away with this. Um, yeah. So they're they're always yeah. thinking in those kinds of terms, um, you know, thinking on their feet because these are problems they didn't anticipate. You know, they could never have anticipated yeah. that. You know, they didn't anticipate that the drugs weren't going to knock him out completely. They yeah, didn't. Exactly. They didn't anticipate that the cop would pull them over. They didn't anticipate someone would turn up. And they certainly didn't anticipate that one of them would change their mind. So yeah. it's a, so it's constantly a, it's the shifting. It's the constant shifting um, pl- uh, sands of of you know the best laid plan, but it's always changing. Um, and they and these characters are having to think on their feet. So it was a lot of fun yeah. writing it actually because it was. You know, oh man, okay, let's throw a curveball into the story, yeah. and how how are we going to write ourselves out of it? So yeah, it's a lot of fun, and yeah, the actors understood their characters and their characters' role in the script so well that they were coming to me, you know, mm-hmm. on a daily basis with ideas about the script, and and some even the the guy who played Aaron, he would always come up and go, you know what, I don't think my character would say this line, or he wouldn't say okay. it like this. I think he would say this line and he would say it like this instead. And inevitably I would say, oh, that sounds much better, do that. Or if I thought, no, 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 it really should be this way, we would just make do a compromise and I'd say, right, we'll shoot it as scripted and then we'll shoot another version in your way. That way we've got both because you may well be right, but I also may be right. So let's have both ready and then in the edit we'll see how all, we'll see which one feels right when when we do the edit. And I'm glad I did that because a lot of the times I did use his takes okay. and sometimes I did stick to my guns and I used mine. Mm. So it really was a, a way of compromising and, 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 and knowing that I may not have it right and he might be right. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. 
And uh, another thing, sorry, Jamie, I, I know I'm I'm talking no, no, a lot, I'm but I <laughs> I absolutely I just got so many things about this movie that I yeah. I love, and the fact that we get to have a chat with you about it, Matthew, is just amazing. Um, the what I what I liked as well about uh, I think it was is it Kevin Kevin D who plays Troy? Yep, Kevin. Um, what I what I love about him is the whole once you get to the situation where we're about halfway in and David's having his doubts, and I couldn't. And, and and obviously uh, Troy's telling us all about what happened in prison. Like he, yeah. the, the guards and the prisoners, the prisoners would rape him, and 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 the guards wouldn't do anything about it because they all knew what he was there for, and 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 how he'd learn his lesson. And I, I, what I really enjoyed was I couldn't work out if he was just manipulating David or if he was actually being real and. And and this you know everything that happened to him affected him and had changed him, because most movies like that that are set these revenge movies you can kind of tell if they really if they really regret what they did and they really changed. But I could not pick whether he was just being a really manipulative manipulative person or whether he actually was remorseful and and this actually he actually had changed his ways so mm. was that an intention of yours was your with your writing did you want people sort of going some people saying hey look he's full of crap or some people going no maybe he has changed and he does deserve a second chance i wanted it to be ambiguous um okay. because and I had some people when they originally read the script, they said, oh, this character of Troy, he needs to be more evil and he needs to be more manipulative and he needs to, we need to see that he's really bad. And I said, uh-uh, uh, that's the wrong way. It's not that kind of movie. It's not. Yeah. Because if we, if we, the audience, see in his eyes just a flash of evil that this yeah. guy is, then there's no conflict anymore. Yeah. We want this guy dead. And these characters are going to yeah. just go, yeah, yeah, you're gone for. It. Yeah, it's not going to be, it's not going to be hard to pull the trigger on a guy that you know is just flat evil and is yeah. not sorry. What they didn't anticipate those characters is that they thought this character was pure evil. That's in their mind the yeah. man that they had created. Yeah. When they see the man in front of them, they see, yeah. I don't know if you actually are an evil man. Maybe he is, but there's enough doubt in the mind to go, hang on, what am I doing? And I think without that doubt, it, 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 there's no conflict. Now, as a filmmaker, I didn't really, I kind of left it open-ended so audiences yeah. had to figure it out. And yeah. we did put some things in the story that make you think maybe he's not changed anymore because he was yeah. scoping out that girl on the train. He was, yeah. Um, but then we do other things where maybe he is, maybe he has got some integrity now because he doesn't drop the rock. On yeah, the yeah, on, yeah, exactly. There's and what he's saying and the experiences he's sharing and so on. Maybe he has learned his lesson. Maybe he does actually know he did the wrong thing and he's not going to do it anymore. Maybe that is why they let him out of prison. And so yeah. I thought, as long as there's doubt, we've got yeah. drama, yeah. and yeah. I. I know the actor Kevin has got his own ideas on the character and what he thinks is really going on and how he played it, but I like the ambiguity of it because I think that's what creates the conflict for the characters yes. in the story, but it also creates conflict for the audience. Oh, 100%. There yeah. were moments where I was I was feeling sorry for him and I'm like, hold on a minute. 
why am I feeling sorry for him? And that's there the moments where, and you're exactly right, where you say you don't want to make him pure evil because then I would have just sat back and I'm just, I'm just sitting back. I'm just waiting to see the torture and the death that they do to this man because he that's didn't it. deserve redemption. Yeah. Whereas I wasn't. I was like, okay, like maybe like he sounds like he's, if what he's saying is true happened to him in prison and everything, maybe he he he's, you know, yes, he got out early, but I mean, what he suffered in prison, maybe, maybe that was enough. Yeah. And that's, I think, was 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 where David was sort of coming from. You know, it's like you you, yeah. you hear him say, Do, you, "Did this really happen?" And that's when you can see the doubt form in David's mind. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Matt. I'm going to shut up for a minute now because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, well, I'm just talking way too much. Questions. But um, yeah, I apologize. But I, no, I, that's right. I just absolutely love the movie, so... No, that's quite Why don't right, you mate. take it away, Jamie? Okay, the question I have for you, Matthew, is can you tell that Ryan really enjoyed your film? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he did. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, I'll put it... Put it this way: I've been watching. I've been watching a lot of movies and TV since I got out of hospital, and I've been I've been actually rewatching one of my favorite show Australian shows of all time, Blue Healers, oh, and yeah. um, I, I I have the complete hundred and ninety disc box set that I've collected over the wow. years, and um, I, I used to watch it with my family, and I used to have very fond memories, and it's really fun seeing actors come up. You know, you see a very young Hugh Jackman, and you see very yeah. young Australian cast. So, um, you know, being I was able to put that aside to watch the cost, but um, it was it was you know I'm I'm all about Australian film and Australian cinema. I will some of the best cinema in Australia, uh, some of the best cinema in the world is Australian. Um, oh, so I just yeah. I that is why I'm so passionate about the film, as well as this is my kind of genre. This is my kind of film, and it honestly had me guessing up until the very end what Good. is actually going to happen. So Great. I, well, that I, was very intentional. No, <laughs> don't apologise, mate. No, we, we intended it to be a... Uh, we really, really... There were two goals that we wanted when we made the film. One, we wanted it to be a conversation starter, something yep. that would get people talking about it after, after the film was finished. And two, we wanted it to be full of surprises. Go where the audience... No, not yeah. go where you never thought it would go, but mm -hmm. just not be predictable. You just wouldn't yeah, yeah. be able to really tell how this was all going to work out. And it seems like we've, we've been successful. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and definitely. Um, interesting that you love Blue Healers. Uh, look out yep. for um, and at one episode of Blue Healers. You will see Damon Hunter, who played Aaron. You will see him turn up as Detective Constable Waters in a Blue Healers episode. So, Oh, excellent. I shall. <laughs> I'm only up to season two on my... Because as you know, like the, the seasons of Blue Healers have about, I think... 47 episodes per season because it yeah. was a weekly show uh, yeah. back in the day. So I'm, I'm halfway through season two at the moment. So I'm about, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm about 80 episodes in. <laughs> You've got a long way to go. He's, oh, in he's in season 12. So good luck. Okay. <laughs> I will. I will. And I also, also noticed when I was doing the research on IMDb, um, uh, the, the gentleman that uh, Kevin D is actually in an episode of Blue Healers too. So I'm going to keep an eye out for him as well. Yep. So. Yep. Look out for him. Yeah. They, um, yeah. That'll, uh, I'm sure they'll pop up. You're probably just a little bit younger. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. All right. As um, mentioned, Jamie, take it away. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to say anything else because it'll set Ryan off. No. Um. <laughs> uh. Really uh, interested in uh, casting because, like, I think it was a great cast. But uh, yeah. how many people auditioned, or did you have people in mind that you, you know, approached? Like, how did the casting go? 
Uh, it was very non-traditional. When I wrote the script, I knew I wanted Damon and, and Jordan to play those two characters. Uh, I already had we already had them in my mind's eye when Greg and I did the writing. So um, Damon had been encouraging. We're good. We were good friends, and he was very. He was encouraging me to write something very small and contained. And if I did, he would. Uh, he would get in. He would put his hand up and do it with me. Oh, awesome. Because um, it was all volunteer. We shot this all volunteer cast and crew. And um, when I finished the script, I then took it. I then called a meeting with. Jordan and you know we went for a beer I said I got a surprise for you mate and I pulled out the script I said here's a movie called The Cost um I want you to play the lead role I basically wrote it with you in mind have a have a read see what you think and of course he took it um and same with Damon so those and and then all the other characters in the story um with the exception of Brian and um and and Troy Everyone else was an actor that I knew or I've worked with before yeah. or I want to work with, and I just yeah. took the role straight to them and gave it to them. There was no auditioning. Mm. Um, so, But in the case of Troy, I did actually have an actor that I wrote in my mind. I thought this guy would take this role, and then I gave him the yeah. script, and then he turned it down. And, and it wasn't because he didn't like the script. He just said, he just said that's just too that that role is just too intense, and I don't yeah. want to be in that headspace of that character <laughs> yeah. and have to go through what that character goes through. So he turned it down. Um, I took it to another actor. They did exactly the same thing for exactly the same reasons. Okay. And then it was uh, I was looking through. I was desperately searching lots and lots of pages of act, Australian actors, and then I saw Kevin's face, and it was just something about his face that stood out to me. I thought that's my mental perception of Troy. So I reached out to him. I saw some of his work. We had some mutual friends. He Then he did a self-test and he knocked it out of the park and I just gave him the role straight away. So, um, and of course I explained that Brian, he was a last minute casting when the borders closed and Josh couldn't get over. Yeah. So that's really how we cast it. It was pretty, um, it's pretty organic in that way. But I always knew, you know, it was Jordan and Damon in those two lead roles. Because you uh, you worked with uh, Jordan on uh, Ben Hall, wasn't yes. he? Wasn't he Ben Hall yet? Yep, so Jordan thought... was. Yeah, he was. Uh, he played the Inspector Davidson, who was yeah. leading the policeman at the end, who killed Ben Hall. Um, I've been wanting to work with Jordan on, in a leading role in a movie for fifteen years. I saw him wow. in a. Pl- I saw him in a play in Adelaide. I thought he was just magnetic. I thought he was an amazing actor. I thought he had something very special. And um, I met him in the foyer afterwards and introduced myself and I said, I want to make movies with you. I think you're great. And uh, we've just been working together. We've had some scripts come and go, but finally I got to do a film with him in the lead. So, and I think, you know, I think I've been proven right. He is definitely a very special actor and a very talented man. So, yeah, I'm glad he gets to shine and and people are really seeing the, 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 the strength of his acting ability. Oh, definitely. He he. You could see, um, like when when we're first introduced to to him and Aaron, I, I before they sort of said, "Hey, Stephanie was my wife and she was my sister," and um, I could tell just from the way he acted in that first, you know, twenty twenty five minutes that he had a deeper connection yeah. to Stephanie than than what Aaron did before they even said, "Hey, I was that was my wife and that was my sister." Um, mm-hmm. because he was so good in conveying the emotion 
yeah. um, like we discussed before. And whereas I, I honestly picked, um, you know, when when they're talking, they're talking to to Brian when they're having a beer, discussing their their professions. I half expected Aaron to say he was some sort of military, like ex ex um, <laughs> army member, <laughs> because of how regimented and, and exactly how how like how logical he was. I was yeah. expecting, uh, and I think he was a plumber, wasn't he? Didn't, he yeah, was, plumber. Yeah. Yeah, yep. so I was mm-hmm. honestly expecting him to be some sort of, you know, army sergeant or something like yeah, that, or a right. police officer or something, because uh, just because of how regimented and how calm he was, there yep. was no, like, little to no emotion until the very end, mm. um, which is not, it's, and that's not saying he can't portray emotion. I think he portrayed the character exactly how, from what you've said, you you intended him to be portrayed as a stoic eye on the prize this is what we're mm. here to do this is what we're going to do and we're going to do it and obviously in the end which we haven't spoken about yet um ended up doing what had to be done mm. um you know what i mean and, he, he and was, I must, yeah. yeah that that character very much uh, he you know if you talk to damon he says that the character actually is a very emotional character but he has learned to um compartmentalize mm. emotion um and keeps everything right down here and yeah. has not and doesn't let things get to him that's how he um that's how he rolls but you do see it in that scene where he's digging the pit and he starts getting the yeah. shakes and he vomits it's because yeah. there's still there is still emotion in him he's just very good at su- at suppressing, suppressing it suppressing it yeah whereas yeah whereas yeah he pushes it down and whereas david can't he he just it all just ruptures out of yeah. out of him constantly um but the other thing is is that david's life um since you know since losing uh stephanie david's life is kind of off the rails he's yeah. just he really doesn't have anyone or anything to live for except revenge whereas yeah. damon's character has now got he's got his wife he's got his son he's got his normal life he had to be persuaded on this so yeah. he He's got a lot more on the line, Lose. yeah. Which is also what keeps him so on the mm. on target. It's no longer really about getting revenge on this guy. It's about if I don't go through with this, I lose wife, I lose family, yeah. I lose freedom, everything. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. Da- yeah, he loses everything. Whereas Jordan's character is already in such a bad place, he feels like he's lost everything anyway. Yeah. So the thought of turning himself over to the law. It doesn't mean as much to him, so that's the so that's why his Damon's character is just so steadfast in his resolve because he's got a lot more on the line. Yeah, and and that's yeah. I suppose that makes a lot of sense because you see, with with David's character, obviously he has he has that sort of little starting of ideas to get back out there with with the with Meg or Megan, the character mm. Megan that we see. You know, there's a bit of flirting going on, and obviously she she's a bit keen, and he, I think he he probably needed to do this. This is all he's been thinking about since Stephanie was taken away from him. And he's yeah. like, I need to do. I, I essentially got the vibe as initially. I need David needed to do this to be able to move on with his life. Yeah, that's at um, least what where, he thought he needed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then and then just in the end of the film, all I've got to say is, poor Brian, poor Brian. <laughs> I, poor I really Brian. felt for the guy. I felt <laughs> for the guy because, like, he's. I honestly thought he was going to say, "Look, like when he said, just get the get the body off my property." Yeah. And they, and then and then yeah, poor Brian just 
you mm-hmm. know, takes a tumble and, and unfortunately is 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 lost as well. Yeah. Um, but what what I must say about the ending to this film, I this is the wow. the one <laughs> one time that I will ever say this that I hate you. Uh, because <laughs> I wanted to know more. I wanted more. Like <laughs> I wanted to when you see, you know, you see the you see him him dropping off Aaron and then driving off. I'm like, okay, now we're gonna sort of see some sort of, you know, 10, 15 minute monologue of, of what's gonna happen. And that's it, not <laughs> credit roll. <laughs> and I was like, did you do that on purpose? Were you thinking of a possible sequel or were you just like, this is where I want to leave it? I want to leave it to the uh, to, to the yeah. viewers to interpret what happens from here. Yeah, very. We, we did debate how we were going to end for a while. We had a few versions of the ending. Yeah. Um, they weren't, they didn't go on very long. They weren't any longer than what you see. Okay. Um, nothing was said. There's really no dialogue in the movie pretty much from the once Brian yeah. is dead, there's no more dialogue. And that yeah. was pretty much all the various endings were consistent mm-hmm. with that. Um, we wanted it to, but in the end, we just wanted to be as simple as possible. We wanted the most yeah. simple of endings and we didn't want to wrap it up neatly in a bow. No. We wanted it to feel as empty and as, um, you know, as, as empty and, like where do you go from here we couldn't yeah, figure yeah. out where these characters go from here yeah. and also the character doesn't know where he's going to go from here yeah. he's, so we thought that's the image you end on the character who was who thought this was going to solve all his problems and he's can't come home and his problems are even worse than before yeah yeah he's now not only has he committed murder he's now got an innocent blood on his hands and so yeah. he's worse off. There's nothing yeah. more stronger than I, we thought than the image of him in his hallway at that dark place. Yeah. And there is nowhere to go. There is nothing to say. I couldn't yeah. possibly resolve the story or the film any more than the no. character could resolve the situation. So yeah. that's sort of why we wanted to leave it. But it is interesting having shown it to lots of audiences. So many people have had that attitude that you have uh, express that I want to know what happens to these guys. I want to know yeah. how we're going to end. And um, I have had several people go, you know, sequel, sequel, show us yeah. what happens. No, no, no. But hey, I, I'm like, no, no. But I haven't got a, there is no, I have no sequel. I have, I, I have nothing more to say that the movie hasn't already said. So mm. it is, you know, it, it's there. And I hope people just go away and talk about it and they come up with their own ideas yeah. for how they uh, think look, characters are going to go. Look, I honestly think it was a perfect ending because I, I love endings with a little bit of question, you know? Yeah. Did they I get think, away with it, you know? Yeah. Um, Will they get away with it? What's going to, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 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 someone's, I, I don't know where I, where I read it, somewhere and some, probably some very famous film filmmaker said that it's better to make a film where the audience walk out going, damn it, I wish there was just a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. And then walking out going, oh, God, that could have been 20 minutes shorter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. like if you've got to have one, which neither are, you, you sort of, you want the perfect film, really. But if you've got yeah. to have one or the other, yeah, make sure it's just a little bit, yeah. want, they want just a little bit more. That means that yeah. you got them. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, and that was how it was for me. I was expecting, like, maybe even like a, a five years later, Oh, or yeah. something and and just seeing you know like i don't know no. what i was expecting in terms of what where they would be in five or ten years but yeah no, and that's exactly what it did to me it wanted me it made me want more 
Yeah. It made yeah. me want, okay, look, here's a sequel idea. It starts with someone finding Brian's body or some, you know, and going from there. And as I said, I'm not a writer. Uh, it'll t- know, t- t- turn it into a, de- a detective, you know, show. Yeah, and then seeing, <laughs> seeing the, from the other side perspectives, yeah. you know what I mean? But anyway... No. The 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 as I said, yeah, I it did make me want more. It made me go, I want to know more. I want to know what happened to these yeah. guys. I want to know, did it did it help? Like, yes, obviously it didn't go as planned, but it never does. And I was hoping that it would give David some sort of closure. And I was hoping, but obviously instead of making the bond between the brother and and between Aaron and David closer, it's obviously split them apart and. I just yeah. like the whole how they deal with that. So yeah, and look, it did definitely did leave me wanting more. Mm. Um, well, that's good. Uh, oh. no, what we wanted to say with the movie though was very different to most revenge films. We like most revenge films, uh, like Machine Gun Preacher or mm-hmm. you know whatever those whatever you know those you know Death Wish or whatever. Yep. Revenge is always cathartic it's always noble it's like taken you know it there yeah. it's always portrayed that when the bad guy gets it we love it and we clap and we cheer yeah. and we feel satisfied and i just thought that's just hollywood you know i thought mm-hmm. i think when it comes down to you know and they're all sas you know ex army ex police yeah. or whatever guys i thought what if no what would a normal person go through yep. if yeah. they committed something like this and the hollowness and the guilt and the shame and the and the and the you know the tearing of the of the soul really yeah. and that's why the movie's called the cost because yeah. what was the cost of them doing this um and there's so many costs like you said the these two guys who had this brotherly bond ripped yep. apart forever there's yeah. one cost the innocent life you know yeah. torn forever yeah. david's guilt he thought he was going to resolve all his emotional issues by this now he's just got more so it's yeah. just you know, and and what's now going to happen with if if you know if David spills the beans on the cops, Aaron's going to go to jail along with him, and then yeah, he's lost yeah. his family. So yeah. it really is a, a movie that says, "Is this the way to go? Is yeah. this really is is committing violence? Is eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth? Is it the right way to go?" And it throws lots of questions up to go. Yeah. You know, maybe we should rethink our attitude to to revenge. Um, but we didn't want it to be like, we didn't want to be so preachy that it came across like a, you know, like a, like a sermon. Uh, we just wanted to present some interesting ideas. Well, I definitely, that definitely, the movie did achieve that. And it is, I like, it's the everyman. It's not your, you know, what does Charlton Heston do once, you know, or what does Liam Neeson do when you've taken his daughter? It's it's like, it's, it's real people who like to think we all like to think that we would be able to not like to think, but we all think that we would be able to, if something ever happened to someone who we love, we would, we want to get revenge, you know, yeah. but even, you know, the, the eye for the eye stuff, but whether you can go ahead with it. And and mm. I think that's where, you know, David is the perfect representation of yeah. uh, Troy's took, took away his whole world. And, but he can't, he, he, he's still mm. deep down a good person and can't, justify like would stephanie want me to do this mm, yeah. you know is it and that's another thing you sort of explore you know would he where he doesn't really think he's like would she want me to do this and whereas aaron's like absolutely like he, yeah. he knew for a fact that like as well as what you say he's got the most to lose out of the situation but he's like i he there was no like i'm going to do this for her i'm doing this for her i'm not doing it for me whereas david was doing it for him 
more than he was doing it for Stephanie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's doing it to try to heal a wound that yeah. never healed, you know. Um, yeah. And, it, you know, and only when he realised what he was doing did he realise, this isn't going to heal me. This is going to make yeah. it worse. Make it worse. Um, exactly. Yeah, so, and and the everyman was very important, again, for react, just to make it so relatable to, to normal viewers. That's why neither of these guys are cops or military. Yeah. They're just it's a it's a it's yeah. a you know a computer software engineer and a plumber yeah. who yeah, has, plumber, yeah. a plumber who's gotten hold of a rifle and probably never used it before. You know, yeah. it's just that these are the types of guys they are, and that's what I think makes it so relatable. You know, there's really nothing about it that couldn't be completely real. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I totally agree with that, and that's what makes the movie so good. Yeah. Uh, and, one uh, one question I did have. Uh, and it's not on the list. Sorry, Jamie, this will be my last one. Um, the music, um, uh, Matthew, the music for this film was amazing uh, in terms I of agree. the ambiance, um, in terms of the, in terms of setting the pace and setting the mood. Now, is this the the, the person who looked after the music on this? Is it someone you've worked with before or sure um, is. is it someone you've, speak, you've, you've sought out? I do apologise. I don't know the name of the person, so if you could... No, it's all right. Me. No, no, it's... Um, the the yeah. composer is Ronnie Minder, and yeah. Ronnie did The Legend of Ben Hall. Okay, cool. So um, okay. We're, we're, you know, we're a great... We're a great team. Like, we yeah. get along yeah. really, really well. We're very good friends, and... Uh, but we also understand and appreciate and love film music in very much the same yeah. way. Um, he is a great instinct for composing and no, can look at a film and really know what it needs. Uh, now, the legend of Ben Hall is a very, uh, a very big orchestral sort of yeah. rom- more a romantic score, I guess. Yep. Whereas what we decided that to really separate the costs to go the opposite way, yeah, and make it very tonal, very primal, uh, yep. very and very uh, very a lot of tension, um, yeah. but understated, very much coming in underneath the movie and yep. underscoring it rather than being more like Ben Hall, which was more over the sort of more over the top sort of score. This is more of an underscore, um, but also one that we wanted to make sure we gave it a lot of emotion. So it wasn't just the whole time. We we also wanted it to carry a lot of very delicate emotions because a movie like The Cost with, you know, you've got guys breaking down in tears and you've got a lot of heightened emotions. It's a very delicate balance. It can become off very cheesy if the acting and writing isn't good. Uh, or the yep. directing is poor, and then of course, if you slap music on the top that is just really corny, it you know you lose it. You completely lose it. Yeah, but 100%. Ronnie Ronnie walks those fine lines beautifully, and he delivered a score that I just think is just was so perfect for this film. Yeah. Um, and a lot it of people really have was. really really liked it because the it's not telling you how to feel. It's just. Yeah. It's it's kind of in sync with you. It is just it is just existing the way you feel as you're watching it. Yeah. So it's complementing yeah. how you feel. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna yeah I was gonna say it it accompanied the emotions that I was feeling when I was watching them. So when you say yeah, that's exactly how I felt uh, because of me being a massive horror fan, and I'm not to say this was horror, but this is obviously like um, a thriller. But music make or break the movie. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Um, and I, yeah, that I, I honestly, that was something I had actually. I don't normally make notes, but I actually made a note to say that I needed to say something about the music because it was mm-hmm. absolutely perfect in every aspect, every scene that there was music. 
you just hit the nail on the head. It may it drew you in that much more. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? It yeah. just brought you in. And, and I'm one of those people that I absolutely love about this. I can go into that world. So I had all the lights off. Had, I was watching <laughs> it on, through Amazon Prime on my laptop. And I was in, I was there with the guys. I was there awesome. and yeah. and the music is part of what makes that experience so much better. So, yeah. Yeah, it does. It really cements down. you into it. Yeah, cements yeah. you into the scene and into the characters' minds. And, yeah, well, that's Definitely. just, you know, he's a great composer. I'll be working oh, with him again on my next film. And, Good. yeah, he's, um, yeah, he's a lot of, a lot of value is Ronnie. Oh, definitely, definitely. Okay, over to you, Jamie. I'm so over, sorry. <laughs> over to me. No, well, um, look, fantastic film. I, I, I yeah. love the like cinematography in the sense, like the first, sh- the opening shot. Yeah. With the body yep. and the phone call over the top, man, it's just mm-hmm. like, I started watching the movie. Like, I was sitting at my desk, and I usually watch movies on the couch, but like I just put it on. And I thought, you know, I got a cuppa, and then I, I didn't move from my computer desk while I watched the whole movie. You know, <laughs> I was just like, I'm not missing anything. Um, but yeah, it's just I love the opening shot and the last shot. Just cinematography with those shots were amazing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They were. Um, yeah, look, look. Cable Williams was my cinematographer. Um, first time I worked with Cable. Um, but yeah, no, he did a fantastic job, and he did it all with mostly natural light and very wow. little um, manipulating natural light. And only occasionally did we bring in light. Uh, like you know big lights and things like that yeah. uh, most of the time he was just manipulating and working with with real light so and using a lot of torches and headlamps and yeah you know car 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 lights and things like that so he had his work cut out for him he had to really know how to use those cameras um yeah the um the opening it didn't actually the movie didn't start with that opening image of the girl that was not in the original screenplay Wow. Um, that came about about halfway through. We came up with that idea, and same with the with the phone message that yep. wasn't in yeah. the original screenplay. What we found is the girl was only ever going to be seen in glimpses in the mind of of David every now and again in the movie. You would just get a a oh. memory glimpse. Yeah. But what we did is we shot we shot about sixty percent of the movie, and then we had to go into a six month lockdown. Yeah. Gave yeah. me a lot of time to edit and play with that the footage that I had. And what we'd found is that all this beating and whipping and torturing and interrogation of Troy, everyone who watched the film said, I feel really sorry for this guy. Um, And we went, you know what? We need to see his crime. (laughs) We need to know how hideous his crime was. So we had to find a way to go back to the past for one scene to get the audience back on track to understand why yeah. what it makes because you could say oh he raped and murdered someone yeah but it doesn't have the same effect as if you could see it yeah yeah so we thought how do we because originally this story was meant to be we made a rule this movie takes place over 48 hours it starts yeah. here and it ends here at almost exactly the same time of day and we're not breaking that rule yeah. uh, which okay. is why we didn't go any further than when he gets home and slides yeah. down the wall so we thought, well, this is breaking our rule. We're going into the past. And we thought we need to find a almost like a, a corridor to the past. Yeah. And that's yeah. why we invented the um the phone, the phone idea. The that he, keeps, yeah. he keeps listening to the last voicemail she left him. Yeah. And he's listens to it all the time. Mm-hmm. And that came from someone who had lost a parent. They told yeah. me, um, 
they kept, you know, like a, a few weeks after the parent had died, they kept on ringing the parent's phone so they could hear their voice on the voice message just so they could mm. hear their voice. Yeah. And I thought, that, that's that's not a good idea. That's going to keep the pain alive. And I thought, oh, there's an idea for the film. <laughs> Let's give that to David. And that gave us the window. So as soon as he listens to the message, it gave us the access to go back to the past. Yeah. And so that's why we sort of bookended the film with, you know, with the with the message at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so these are sort of the happy, not mistakes, but these are the discoveries that you make. Yeah. When you're making a film like this, and you've got a bit more time. Yeah. To play with the movie as you're making it yeah. because it's independent. Yeah. These are the these are the wonderful discoveries that the film mm. reveals to you as you go along. Well, and 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 I can attest. I think that drew me in a lot more because I, I have been on that end of the thing. I did like uh, a long, long time ago, lost my mum, and I did have that voicemail and I would go back and I would listen yep. to the voicemail, the last voicemail left. So yep. it does, it does. It, 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 I, I could relate to David in that sense of, I know what that's like, not obviously in the circumstances of how he lost his wife, but I know what it's like while you're still grieving yes. to you do anything because you do over time generally, there's certain things about that person you forget, you start to forget yes. because time goes on and life goes on and, and you can you hold on to that one little thing. Mm. So yeah. I think that made a, a hell of a lot more real for me. So I'm really glad that you actually ended up doing that mm. because, again, that just made it more relatable to me, more relatable to, yeah, this, this guy's and, – and as I said, I could pick up early on that David was very emotional and emotion, more emotionally attached to Stephanie than, than Aaron was, and I think that just – sort of cemented that in when you know yeah. we find out he's listening to that message so much so frequently even while he's doing this he's taking a break from what he's doing to Troy to go and listen to the voicemail to, to give to push him on to say this is why I'm doing it yeah exactly uh, so, and yeah, that was and and I'm glad that came through because yeah it is you know it was always about how do we make it more real and more relatable yeah. and clearly this is something that people do you know, they do when they are grieving. So I think that's probably what yeah. people are responding to is as they, you know, we've all had grief in our lives and we've all seen yep. pain. And I think that's what people are recognising in the characters. They're going, I know what it's like to be him. Yep. I know what it's like to feel that loss and, and that sense of powerless and so on, even if it's not to that extreme. Yeah. Um, but we certainly know what grief looks like and feels yeah. like. And that is what I think uh david's you know jordan brought so much to it was was here is a man who's trapped in grief and um he just pulled that off really really well no it definitely did 100 percent made it yeah i couldn't agree more with that yeah and so yeah um but yeah the cinematography was we thought that the film was going to look like because it was very low budget and we thought it was going to be a very because it was so low budget and it was all going to be handheld and everything, we thought the film was going to be very grimy, gritty, dirty, um, much more low budget looking. That's sort of what we thought we were going to get. And it's sort of what we were prepared to accept because we knew we weren't going to have a big film crew and all the lights and everything. But when we got the footage back, we're like, this is actually quite beautiful. It really is quite, and, and Cable was very, very good at working the um the Ronin that we shot all the movie on a Ronin. We didn't use tripods. We shot to keep oh, it wow. nice and to keep it fluid and to keep mm. it con- constantly moving and staying with the characters. We kept we shot it on a Ronin and 
which is like a handheld Steadicam rig. Yeah. And um, it gave the movie this fluidity and it really made it quite beautiful. And he was really yeah. good at operating that. And um, what we actually did is when we came to grading the movie, which is, you know, what the colour and the and the kind of style of the look of the film, we I actually said to the colourist, let's go in the opposite direction. Instead of making it all gungy, grit, dim and dingy like most of these movies do, let's go the opposite. Let's make this look beautiful. Let's punch up the yep. colours. Let's make it look yep. rich and like a film from the 90s where the colours do pop more. And yeah. what, it, what it did is it created this beautiful kind of forest and this world that they're in but with all of this ugliness happening in it. No, and, and it, uh, it came across, it did not come across, uh, it came across looking, not that I was expecting it to look like a, a, you know, as you were saying, gritty indie film. It came across, it It looked as if it was big budget, mm. you know, it, it was beautiful. I I, I mm. messaged Jamie and the poor bugger when I messaged him at six o'clock in the morning, because probably, you know, getting up or on his way to work or something. I said, I'm getting goosebumps watching this movie um, <laughs> because of how amazing it is and how great it looks and the fact that not only am I getting goosebumps but I just put up a post like when I started watching it you'd already responded before I'd even got 20 minutes into the movie and the fact that someone that I know and and that I respect was able to put this together is just it just blew me away I like that's got goosebumps watching it and goosebumps watching it again so I yeah I cannot wait literally it takes three movies to get me hooked but you only took two (laughs) even though i i absolutely you know seriously if i'd only seen the cost i i'm hooked on anything you do from now on and that's as i said not just blowing smoke um i think you're fantastic uh, you're a fantastic film writer and i really really do hope that you get to achieve everything you and work with everyone that you want to work with because man if that that was an amazing film Awesome. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate you saying so, and I'm no, I'm, no, I'm glad I'm glad to have someone who's rooting for me in my corner. That's always good. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And that's what I said. Like I, I, I have been telling anyone and everyone that I can. Um, when I get my copy on Blu-ray, which will be later this week, um, uh, my partner Stephanie, whose name is Stephanie, which is, oh, I, wonder, I, I said, <laughs> look, you, just be prepared. You're not going to live very long in this movie. But um, I just, uh, yeah, I sh- I'm going to, she liked these kind of movies too. So we're going to sit down and watch it. So I'll be having my third viewing probably next weekend. Uh-huh. So. And, you, and you'll be able to watch her reactions. Uh, yeah, which is yeah, very cool. exactly. And she's going to be, guess exactly. who's in the bag? Guess who's in the bag? Guess who's reading yeah. the bag? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, fantastic movie but um what's yeah. next have you got any plans yep. for obviously yeah. you've got a, a million ideas oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> always got a million i've actually calculated of all the screenplays i've written and got sitting in the files ready to be made i actually figured out that if i made a film once every three years i've got enough movies to keep me going till i'm about 70 oh wow so i've got lots of scripts sitting in the in the drawer yeah. but um what's next well you never really know what's next, but I'm planning another thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually got two thrillers in mind that I guess if you put them all together, they make, I guess, a little bit of a a, an, uh, a bit of a an unofficial trilogy. Oh, okay. So of of these high concept thrillers that look at that that are thriller genre, but they look at more human. Yeah. Uh, 
things. I look at things in a more deeper way. Yeah. Under the under the guise of a of a, of a regular sort of thriller. Yeah. So we have a thriller called Impasse um, yeah. that we're trying to get off the ground. Um, I'm not shooting it outdoors anymore. I've, uh, I've done enough film outdoors. Uh, we're moving into the studio where actually the whole movie is set in a restaurant and uh, it all takes place over the runtime of the movie like if it if the movie is 95 i love movies like that so it's like 24 the movie but kind of thing yeah 24 yeah Yeah. except it's 95 95 minutes right so so the the movie takes place in 90 minutes uh again it doesn't go beyond that and it is a boiler it is a it is a it is a uh, what do you call a pressure cooker of a situation that happens in a restaurant uh, yeah. All I can tell you is um, that, so I can't, I can't give away the story, but yeah, all right. I can tell you is that it's, um, it's about, it's, again, it's about regular people and yep. uh, something happens in this restaurant and the shit will hit the fan. I can promise you that. Yeah. So it's, uh, and again, it's about how do regular people deal with an out of the ordinary situation, much like the cost, but probably a little more, um, but certainly not as somber and as deadly serious as the cost, it's probably got a bit more. Um, there's probably a little more wry humour in it um, um, than than the cost had. So, yeah, um, hope you know we're gearing up for it at the moment, trying to get the money, and hopefully we'll be shooting it by early next year. Awesome, excellent, excellent. And I was glad, I was so glad to see um, when when the official when when the cost officially released because I know on the last. Um, podcast we had you on with, we were talking about the legend of Ben Hall and how much travel you were trying to have getting it on streaming services and mm. and getting it. I was so happy, and I told Jamie when I saw the graphic that you had, and it was on Apple TV, it was on Prime, it was on all mm. these different streaming services, and and the photo of you at JB Hi-Fi with with it in your hand, and the fact that I went on JB Hi-Fi's website the day it came out and it was there, bang, ready to go, off she goes. Um, yeah. I was able to, yeah. I, I run Windows on my computer. I was able to go in the film and TV, type it in, bang, I could buy it straight away. It was just so awesome. easily accessible. And I remember yeah. how much how much we were talking last time about how, how you were having so much trouble trying to get ben, the legend of Ben Hall to be that easily accessible. So yeah. that made me really happy to see that you were able to do that. And and was that because that was through, um, I think it came, the, the media was through Madman Productions, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Madman took on the cost and they've really, really, they're excellent distributors. Yeah. So they've done a great yeah. job and they've been very supportive and they've done the right thing by the film. Can't say too much yep. about the people who did Ben Hall. So, yeah, um, it was, you know, but it's funny that, you know, the, the the week that the cost came out, uh, the Legend of Ben Hall finally came out on SBS on yes, demand. Yes, yeah, I saw that. That was amazing. So, so it's that's, like a, that's awesome. So it's a nice little double whammy. You can sort of yeah. see the old the old one, and now you can see the new. So, um, yeah, I hope a lot of people, you know, give the cost a, a crack. I know some people have been a bit apprehensive about watching it because they feel like it might be like torture porn or it might be yeah. too graphic. Yeah. But I try to tell people, I just say, look. I'm going to drive you to the edge of the cliff, right yeah. to the edge, but I'm not going to push you off. So yeah. if you can just stick with it, yeah. you might yeah. you might get something a bit more out of it than your regular Liam Neeson retribution yeah. film. Yeah, and I think that's a good way yeah. that's a good way to describe it because um, that that's right. And 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 by the ending that you've given it, it leaves it open to interpretation. You can go well, you know, yeah, I'm going to picture these guys. You know, I'm going to say they lived happily ever after because they, mm. you know, I. 
I I hate saying it, but I support the idea of of where that comes from. Um, but then you know you can have maybe they were caught, maybe you know it led down a darker path. But um, yeah, I I really was very very happy to see that because I do remember we talked about Ben Hall and did have Mad Men. Um, you know, have you? Are they seem to be on board for any future product? Like, do they seem keen to be on board for future projects? Um. At this stage, I've, we've sent them in pass and we're waiting to get a response from them, but um, yeah. we haven't yet heard back, so we're not okay. sure um, whether they'll be on for the next one. We'll, we'll have to okay. see. It's always hard when you've, you know, mm. they they came to the cost when it was already a finished film, so yeah. they could they just saw it and they were like, yeah, this is great, we'll yeah, take yeah. it. But uh, in the case of Impasse, it's just a screenplay right now. Mm. Yeah. Um, it is. Yep. It, it is. It has been written by Greg Moss and myself. We mm-hmm. so it's from the same team as who made the cost so we're hoping that the you know that with all of the great reviews and publicity that we're getting for the cost that that'll really help people trust me as a filmmaker and give me a you know give me a go well and i can see so far i've seen um via the cost uh, facebook page that it's already winning awards uh which is absolutely fantastic um i always always get a bit of a smile when i see how well it's actually doing because you know for how long it's been out and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm you know it deserves every accolade so congratulations on Thank all of those those awards as well because it's definitely well deserved and thanks i just you know i um mm. yeah it's it's i'm everyone that i know that even if they're not into these kind of movies like i'm going I've, i'm going to be buying a copy for my dad my dad loves aussie aussie movies as well he loves these thrillers and stuff awesome. so i'm sending it up to him for christmas whether he likes it or not he's got no awesome. choice in the matter he's going to be watching it um but good yeah christmas so viewing. I'm, good christmas exactly viewing. <laughs> yeah yeah definitely but he um i'm trying to get as i get as many people yeah. on board as i can because it is such an amazing film and and i hope it doesn't you know from what i can see it's not getting slept on everyone that i i know and have recommended it has actually watched it and enjoyed it so awesome. that's what we want for you because yeah. I, yeah I want nothing but success i want to say i want to say you keep pumping out the movie every three years until you're 70. That would be fun. Yeah, I would that, that'd, be that. good. that'd be good because yeah, I, I gotta I gotta earn money somehow, and that that'll keep me mm. going. Not so, a bad way to earn money. So no, not too bad at all. So that's what yeah. I've been working hard for. But look, thank you very oh, much. Definitely. I really appreciate your support and for helping no, get, getting the word out there. And yeah. you know, these uh, there was a lot of hard work that went into this one, and a lot of people yeah. put a lot of free time into it, and. You know, and I just hope it takes their careers. You know, I really want to see these actors all yeah. on other projects because they're such good actors, and I really think oh, that yeah. they should be. They need to be. They should be booking more jobs after this. Definitely. Oh, I, I, awesome. I definitely can see these guys. You know, in you know, even if it's just just you know, getting some TV roles out of it. But I, yeah, I didn't see a bad actor in the film. Yeah, we were very we, we were very very conscious of of um I told the actors at the beginning I said before on our first cast reading with the three guys and I said guys this movie lives and dies on your performances. Yeah. Um <laughs> it, it it's not going to depend it's not going to be about how fancy we don't have horses and carts and costumes and all that stuff yeah. to to trick people with so this is this is an actor's piece and I said that's what I'm committing myself as a director is to your performances yeah. and they were committed to getting their characters hundred percent right and they just poured themselves into it. And I think the results are up there on the screen and they're there forever now. hundred percent. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Matthew. 
No worries at all. And no worries at all. And I hope, and just to, just a little shout out to Adam Wilson. Yes, you saw that I did. <laughs> I did manage to get him in this one as well. Yes. Um, I've got to, he's, he's my lucky charm. I've always got to have Adam in my film. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see where he pops up again next time. And, and look, if you do end up ever filming in Sydney and you need two extras to walk past the shop, yep. me and Jamie would be more than happy to do it. Awesome. Good. All right. Oh, good. Got, that got, is my goal. I got you. I got you. Got you booked in. My got you booked excellent. in. City. The, the the only the only the only request I have is I want to be in the same scene as Adam Wilson. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> no worries, Adam Wilson. Okay, I'm sure we can okay. work that out. Maybe uh, he's got a maybe he's got a drinking buddy. Maybe yeah. he's got a drinking buddy in the next one. All right. One. Cool. All right. There you walk, go. Or I could just walk past or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks. Thank you guys for listening and watching. Um, if you want to reach out to us, the true and the fictional at gmail.com. Check out our Instagram stories underscore podcast. And uh, we'll catch you next time.